to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account this unrepresentative swell over there. Hello and welcome back to the Unrepresentative Swill podcast. A week's hiatus, Rob. Unannounced. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't think we said anything about it. Yeah. But we did take a week off. We did. I think we were both quite busy. Yeah. Oh, I could, I, I'll speak for myself here and say I was quite busy, Um, you know, being a, being a blue-collar worker. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. On the tools. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You've been doing some manual labor here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. You had to fill in for someone? Uh, yeah, uh, first name Phil, second name In. Yeah, uh, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, because COVID exists in WA now, hey. Yeah, well, what did you do? What were your manual labor tasks? Uh, you know, laying down pipe work. Um, oh, wow. Maneuvering the dredge. I don't even, yeah, know what uh, that is, dredge, yeah. Assisting with the dewatering process. This is how I've written on my resume, by the way. Wow, yeah, very nice. Yeah. Lo- looks like you've gone full blue collar. To the point that I think you have the authority to talk about working class issues now on the podcast. Well, you know, that that's the great thing about me, Nick, is <laughs> is I combine the, the old labor with the new labor. Ah, the perfect hybrid. You know, I'm, I'm working class enough to understand uh, working class issues, but yeah. I'm also, uh, you know, university educated and intelligent enough to understand the, the plight of the inner city lefty yeah wow i mean they said you couldn't fuse the two together but i think we're seeing on 21st of march 2022 it happening live right now um what can i say rob you're the new face of center left parties across the world (laughs) i don't think that's an overstatement um yeah no i think you do get some appreciation for it i'd say yeah i worked at a fish and chip shop for a year that's blue collar oh blue collar as it gets mate (laughs) Yeah. Can you, someone who um actually works a blue collar job email us in and tell us we're dickheads? Yeah. It, it, I, I want to stress how much we're joking. <laughs> Sometimes it is necessary to stress how much we're joking. Yeah. I think. I think I my, my sarcastic tone and my regular tone are just exactly the same now. Yeah. Because yeah. I just constantly am sarcastic yeah it's that apathy rob like you're talking about oh yeah absolutely yeah it really creeps in there doesn't it (laughs) what point is there is separating sarcasm from real life now it doesn't matter right (laughs) yeah wow really strong start to the oh yeah um, anyway back by the way yeah anyway sorry we were gone for a week yeah we were busy um i know we made a big deal about uh in episode 100 because that was of course the last episode um of coming back really strong next week didn't do that um, but, you know, I think that's true Unrepresentative Swill podcast fashion. It's just hollow promises. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, we've got a lot to catch up on, though, Rob. That's the, that's the good part. Exactly. Yeah, got a lot, a lot of content now swimming around in our heads. So. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of stuff has happened over the two weeks. No, can't go over all of it, Rob. I'm going to say it right now. Can't go over all of it. All right. No worries. Have you noticed, Nick, lately, and this will begin the news, that fuel is quite expensive now? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's 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 the oil crisis of the 2020s, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Russian uh, oil bans won't help as well. No, they won't, yeah. Um, and I tell you, I don't want to look at a crisis cynically, but must be good for the Labor Party, this one. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think, and not even petrol, Rob. I think the prices of everything is going up as well. Well, yeah, it's the classic uh, 1970s stagflation issue of petrol literally is needed for every single product in the world still. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Uh, it's a bit of stagflation because low unemployment and creeping inflation. Yeah, wow. Interesting. Who'd have thought it, eh? Yeah, uh, but I-, I saw something, Rob, saying the price of coffee might be as high as $7.00 for a regular cup of joe by the end of the year. Isn't that what a price of coffee is at Mary Street Bakery, mate? Yeah, yeah. Well, they just charge me in excess um, <laughs> because I'm such a inner city wanker. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it's quite a substantial increase to $7. Normal coffee with your um, non-dairy milk edition, of course, is like five eighty or something, or five seventy or five fifty, that kind of range. Yeah. Up to $7, Rob, so that's a buck and a half. beyond the 2% increase in CPI we've seen over the past year. So I don't know what, what the coffee retailers yeah, are doing. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we learned in the 70s that definitely the answer to stagflation is uh, austerity. So we're oh, going to do yeah. that one again. I think we're going to advocate for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, austerity. Here we go. A bit of Reaganism. Yeah, and yeah. Thatcherism. Nice. Yeah, of course. Let's just ruin workers' uh, rights for the next fucking 50 years at least. <laughs> Uh, the petrol point, though, Rob, is is kind of a, a sticking point for governments. I know the South Australian government, before it was wiped out in the polls, yeah. uh, mentioned something about uh, subsidising the price, price of petrol. I think the federal government is considering some kind of way they can assist people pay for petrol. Because as you said, it's everyone feels the, the price of petrol. Yeah. Except these electric car users. That's the, the one caveat. And that, that this is the best thing about it. All the memes of like ScoMo saying... Um, uh, electric cars are going to ruin the weekend. And yeah. there's like some geezer in his Tesla being like, my weekend's great. I can <laughs> go for drives. Yeah, yeah, damn. Um, uh, the, interesting, the electric vehicle market is really interesting. I was listening to all this stuff about how Biden is pumping millions and millions of dollars into EV infrastructure in the US and also trying to buy up the world's supply of cobalt because okay. apparently cobalt is what you need in batteries to increase the longevity, which is really important in electric vehicles. And it's a big fight between China and the US in Congo, where all the world's cobalt is. And I'm sure the Congolese are getting a real... How do, Congol, Congolese? I think Cong- Congolese is yeah, yeah. the right term. I'm sure they're getting a really good end of this deal as well, right? Oh, yeah. They're definitely not getting fucked over by the major powers. Well, as you know, Rob, colonialism is over. Uh, <laughs> we fixed, we fixed colonialism. And just like that, racism was solved and all issues of colonialism. I think, yo, we can end it there, really. What's one more to be I mean, that's, I think, honestly worth it, an episode in its own right, talking about um, the world's cobalt supply, Rob, but we can leave that to one side for okay. now. Okay, yeah, we'll put it to one side for now. It is the end days, though, I want to mention. Um, a biblical-level floods occurring in New South Wales. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Nick, I think, think the argument here is uh, how can global warming be occurring when there is so much water? That's true. Rob, Rob all these lefty snowflakes keep going, oh, it's so hot, it's so hot. These cucks. Idiots. It's always been it's hot. Wet, it's wet, bro. <laughs> it's fucking always been hot. Finally, we can destroy these um these these lefty snowflakes yeah, these on the podcast. Idiot so, arguments. Yeah. Um. Uh, pretty bad disaster though. <laughs> yeah, and it, um, given it's in rural Australia, and I think one thing I would like to talk about one day, Nick, I mention it often, is the decline of rural Australia. Oh yeah. Um, and given you know the decline of rural Australia, uh very low workers' rights, et cetera, et cetera. No one has flood insurance in Lismore and oh, yeah. all these places in North uh, New South Wales and South um, Queensland. So they're fucked. 
And yeah. ScoMo doesn't give a shit as usual. Um, he's just going for photo ops. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, the, the apathy that I mentioned at the start of the uh, uh, before the podcast. Sorry. Really, yeah. really kicking in with these floods. Cause, yeah. Because this is the second or third major disaster of this Liberal Party's government. Just ScoMo, not even for the last ten years with the bushfires, COVID, and uh, they, now these floods. And we I have mean, drought as well. And the we, droughts. Yeah, skip the, and the rat plague, if you remember that. Yeah, so we've seen so many disasters and clearly a lot of them are tied to climate change and yet we still don't have any real ambition on, on this issue. And I just can't understand how the politicians, regardless of what side of politics you're on, how you can be so fucking short-sighted and selfish that you can't even think about what's going to happen in 20 years' time due to your lack of in, uh, due to your inaction. Absolutely, Rob. I mean, I couldn't have put it better myself. Obviously, Australia is only a small part of that global action on climate change, but we have the capacity to be a leader in renewable energy and action on climate change. And it is, as we've said on this podcast before, a capacity we have neglected so badly, negligently neglected over the past decade, more than that, since Howard even. Uh, and it's really a, a tragedy, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, well, we saw in Kyoto nothing happened under Howard and then nothing really happened in um, Copenhagen. Maybe that's not Rudd's fault, but we'll say it's Rudd's fault as well because we're on Bias Podcast. Why not? Sure. And we've done nothing since Paris. And the rest of the world is now ahead of us. Countries that... Uh, you know, historically, we're talking about how um, climate change action can potentially deepen the divides of uh, post-colonial society. Even they're doing more on climate change because it's just better. It's the best investment for the fucking economy. Yeah. As we've said before, the needle has flipped. Uh, the economic needle has flipped way over to the side of action on climate change. Years ago, this happened. Oh, fucking years. When, when Tony Abbott was in charge. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but nevertheless, our government is still keen on coal. Um, so, you know, one of the many accusations you could level at our incumbent federal government, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, we'll get into that later, I think, if we, we have will. time. If we haven't choked through too much already. Absolutely, we will. Uh, we should very much so turn to the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict, though, Rob. So a few, obviously two weeks has passed since we've actually addressed this. I think it's the 26th day or so now of the conflict. So almost a month it's been happening. And really interesting reports coming um, about British intelligence that suggests Russian forces have truly stalled in Ukraine. Uh, Basically, for whatever reason, some people are saying maybe they've run out of uh, fuel supplies and the like. They're just sitting there and they actually are not making any progress really, despite or besides, I should say, shelling cities for no real reason. Yeah. Um, once again, I can't imagine, you know, in Australia where we've got tough fuel prices, imagine the impact that these sanctions are having on the Russian economy itself. Uh, I think it's going to be, it's eventually going to catch up to their war effort. And I think it might have already caught up. And it, I want to. I think we said it last week. The Ukrainian spirit in this battle has just been unbelievable. Yeah, certainly. And the the stories that are coming out as well are um, heart wrenching. A lot of them, you know, stories of extreme tragedy, but also you know, some of the 
the the better aspects of humanity also come to life as well and it's it's interesting to see isn't it yeah um but right i think that's a really interesting point because a lot of people um you know military strategists and the like were commenting that these economic sanctions will is a long-term way to punish russia that it, it may take years uh for this to really cripple them maybe maybe they were wrong is this catching up to them way sooner than we would thought or maybe people overestimated the power of the Russian military because remember everyone was saying oh there's no doubt that Ukraine can't hold off a Russian invasion maybe maybe they can with the additional military support that's been provided in terms of materials and weapons and stuff from the west yeah absolutely and especially with the amount of just like volunteer fighters they've got now in in Ukraine and t- to the point of it being a long-term issue i think it's the way it turned so quickly, you know, the Russian ruble dropping by, you know, tenthing in its value, it's going to be so difficult for that to even maintain for a month, right? Because you got to... War costs a lot of money. It's a big effort to build a war machine. So, I don't know. I feel like it, it, maybe it tur- it's already turned. Yeah, and, and Rob, Russia is really feeling those losses. So, obviously, there's no official number numbers as to how many uh, troops Russia's lost, but people estimate maybe 7,000, but also critically three Russian generals killed, Yeah, um, which seems to suggest maybe that was some kind of um, you know, assassination attempt or an attempt to seek out Russian leadership. Um, but they'll be feeling uh, the, the pain of that, and especially the Russians back home as well, who've, who've lost uh, people serving in this conflict. Uh, and you know they may start asking the question why for, for what why are we doing this and there is significant pressure back home in russia as well something that happened while we weren't recording is that uh that russian journalist went on live state television um and kind of interrupted the broadcast and was holding up signs saying um it's all lies don't believe in the lies kind of thing yeah uh so you're seeing that kind of thing play out as well so it really feels like the pressure is is really tightening on Russia here, and maybe we are, are overestimated their capacity to conduct this war. Well, we got to remember Russia's economy is the same size as Australia, and they've got 120 million people instead of 30 million people living in their country. It's it's a it's a poor country, and yeah, they've got big um, uh, weaponry and. Uh, armed forces but i think modern wars have fought in the on the economic battles and economic front and the degradation of living standards in russia must be so high already certainly so the covid crisis hit them so hard didn't it exactly so it's i think it's a you'd be worried if you put yeah absolutely uh, the the other part of this as well is the legitimacy they've lost is ever increasing on the international stage. And a really interesting development is how China is going to react to this. Of course, China hasn't officially condemned Putin or um, said you know, they would support Russia in the invasion at all. And pressure is now mounting on China to make, you know, to discourage Putin or to condemn the invasion. An article that came out on Friday by a leading Chinese academic saying that the best course of action for China strategically is to condemn the invasion, got more than a million uh, views uh, over 24 hours before it was deleted by the CCP. Um, it was censored on Sunday. So I think you know, if China comes out and condemns this invasion, Russia truly, truly has 
no supporters, even passive supporters, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I've heard on the global, like Global Times, which is China's like global propaganda, English propaganda um, wing, I guess. They're trying to really emphasize that Taiwan is very much China's land. And I think as soon as they are able to distinguish the fact that a military on someone else's land and a, mil- a military invasion on their own land, in their case, as they want it to be called, will allow them to denounce this invasion eventually, right? Because Ukraine isn't Russian land, whereas, you know, under CCP propaganda, Taiwan is China. Yeah, yeah, it's different the way they've justified it. The regime's justified it, each regime, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because Russia's not claiming that Ukraine is part of Russia. No. Yeah. So, it, I feel like there is there is a way that China can condemn this and maintain um, its sovereignty claims on Taiwan. Yeah, to make it ideologically sound. Of, kind yeah. Of. The, the only concern is, do they want to even help the West? Do they just want to say, I'd rather see you guys squabble over Europe and we'll just keep, you know, hiding and biting to use, yeah. use a deng phrase? It's hard to say, really, right? I don't know. What do yeah. you think? Well, I, I think, you know, potentially, but if you're China, what, what benefit is there to standing by Russia in this case? If, if as you say, you can make it, you know, uh, consistent with your own, your own, within your own ideological framework, you know, vis-a-vis uh, Taiwan, what benefit is there to, to not saying anything about Russia? Obviously, there's trade links between China and Russia, considerable ones, con- uh, considering how close they are. But as well, the West is even threatening economic sanctions against China if they support the invasion in any kind of way. Uh, And China's always looking for more legitimacy on the world stage as well. So, I don't know. I think if you weigh up the strategic concerns, it's probably a better case for, if not condemning the invasion, still saying nothing. Yeah. um, Broadly, I agree, Nick. Um, It'll just be interesting to see how uh, the CCP can make that sovereignty claim of Taiwan at the same time as condemning this invasion because that that's paramount is you know territorial integrity and regime security it's the two big goals of uh, China's uh, the CCP yeah, so foreign policy yeah for sure so I think they're gonna they're gonna really take their time with this issue and also I feel like they're not supporting the war effort they've come out and said that they're not supporting it but they're not going to denounce it just yet so maybe the West might turn a blind eye yeah. to just, you know, almost tacit support. Yeah, true. Um, it, it maybe feels like they just will continue to do nothing if, they, if they're not forced into doing anything. I will say as well, it's probably important to mention the scale of war crimes on the Russian side is, is, has become horrific. They're indiscriminately shelling um, civilian areas for for no real reason other than just to terrorize the population. You know, they've bombed um, uh, hospitals, children's hospitals, theaters, places where civilians are taking refuge. Um, like certain cities like Maripol is in the news right now because Russia has formally recognized a humanitarian crisis is unfolding there. And they've uh, very benevolently given the city until 6 a.m. to surrender and allow everyone to leave. Um, so it, it is really coming to light. You know, not only is the whole justification for the invasion completely bullshit, but 
Russia is also the way they're conducting this war is is truly horrific. It's just a, a complete disregard for civilian safety. Yeah, I don't think I can add to that, Nick. It's horrific. It's terrible, and it's insane that all of this is happening because of one's one man's fantasy that he wants to relive the Soviet Union. Yeah, and his dream is becoming a nightmare, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah. Of course, NATO saying they. Uh, sorry, Ukraine is urging NATO still to Im- implement a no-fly zone over Ukraine. I don't know what you think of that, Rob. That would obviously be quite an escalation. It would force NATO to potentially shoot down Russian airplanes operating over there. Yeah, I don't think NATO wants to bloody its hands at all with this battle, right? I think they want to let the economics do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, as as we said, the situation is is unfolding into a huge mess. Um, for Russia and a huge catastrophe, humanitarian catastrophe for Ukraine. We didn't even mention the the significant number of refugees, enormous, that are coming out of Ukraine into Europe. Also a huge problem for Europe to deal with as well. But those can all be discussed another time, Rob. I think I think we should always should get on to Australian politics and the huge victory that uh, happened in South Australia over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Tough transition to do that one, hey. Um, do you reckon this is a bad sign for the the federal libs that they've just been absolutely crushed in South Australia? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah the new the well. I don't even remember the old guy's name, Liberal Premier. No, nor do I. New Liberal Premier, Labor Premier Peter Melanalkis. Melanalkis. You're Greek. You're not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he got a good rig, apparently, according to you. Oh, unbelievable rig. Super hot. For, for a politician. Boy, oh boy, wow, well, wait. Yeah, wow. He's really putting Albo to shame. I know Albo's done a lot of work to cut down the weight um, in the lead up to the election, but Jesus, this guy. Oh, it's it's a rig, rig for days. Shoulders to Africa. You know, wide, wide at the shoulders, narrow at the waist. It's unbelievable to look at. I mean, rigs... Apparently win elections. Oh, <laughs> Riggs win elections. Yeah. <laughs> and what a win it was, Rob. Oh, it was crushing. Um, I mean, within <laughs> hours of the polls closing, Labour had the above 24 seats necessary to win uh, called to them. Uh, only 16 seats the Libs will, are predicted to win. 54% of the primary vote to Labour. 5.6% swing to them. So in terms of election results, it's not quite Mark McGowan levels, Rob, but it's uh, fairly crushing in its own right. Well, I think it's definitely crushing given they weren't the incumbent. You know, Mark McGowan had the benefit of incumbency and being the most popular person in the world at the time, um, at least in the West Australian minds. Um, <laughs> that whereas, is true. Whereas this, yeah, they weren't incumbent, which is, is historically it's always harder to win elections from uh, the opposition, right? Uh, and it was still a trouncing. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a really good point because the incumbent government had the opportunity to talk about everything they did during COVID. And, you know, I think people have been, maybe with the exception of New South Wales and Victoria, fairly supportive of state government measures to um, uh, combat the pandemic. It's The blame has been placed on the federal government, quite rightly, we, me and you would say. Yeah. So it is, it is in that light as well, a, a different layer of a crushing uh, defeat of the incumbent government. 
And uh, this comes as well, Rob, amid uh, Labor being ahead, federal Labor, 55 to 45 in the news poll that was done earlier this month. And ScoMo and Albo are tied for better PM. This is the first time ScoMo hasn't led the better PM poll uh, since the bushfires at the very start of 2020. Wow. Good. So is this a sign, Rob, that uh, it's bad times for the federal libs? Uh, I've still you know, held, held strong to the idea of I'm not going to buy in until the fat lady sings with this election. With that said, though, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already made our predictions, didn't we? Yeah. At the time. The, the logical part of my brain says the Labour Party should win this election. But I can't let me truly believe that just yet. Yeah. Well, in the lead up to the 2019 election, Labour was leading in the polls. I don't think by that much. And also, I think there were some, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, by-elections that showed Labour was doing well. Not a state election, I don't think. Um, so these are maybe bigger signs that Labour is doing very well. And it just seems like, you know, the thing we were dealing with prior to 2019 was the leadership switch from Turnbull to ScoMo. Yeah. The things we're dealing with now, I mean, we can't bloody list them all. We forget them because there's so many and they just keep on coming. I mean, the flood criticism is the big one here. People saying support the existing support regime is not enough. They should have had more time to work on this. Support's not coming fast enough. And then, of course, as you mentioned earlier, Rob, the climate change aspect to this. Yeah, that's another thing that angers me about both this uh, federal government and also the New South Wales state government is not only have they ignored climate change, but... uh, you know, and knowingly allowing all these uh, disasters to continue through increasing climate change issues, but they're not—they're not giving any fucking funding to emergency relief when you know emergencies are going to be more because you know you're doing fucking nothing on the on the biggest humanitarian crisis that will face humans in the 21st century. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I certainly agree, Rob. He had. Uh he had the war- the early warning message in the bushfires. Yeah, You'd think they would have done something by now. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you had you had your trial disaster with the bushfires, and you still fucked up. Yeah, it is, it is truly not looking good for for Scoma. I, I wonder how he's coping. There's um, I'll just also mention this quickly. There's turmoil in the New South Wales branch of the Liberal Party number of their candidates have not been pre-selected yet, even though the election is going to be called in a matter of weeks, which is unprecedented, I think. Not not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> legal action, allegations of branch stacking, all that all that fun stuff. Normal Rob. stuff. Uh, I don't think that's just a problem with the Liberal Party, though, I'd imagine. I think no, no. They can't make captain's calls, which makes it a little bit harder as well. Um so I, I don't really give a shit about that, to be honest. Well, all this political fuckery happens in both parties, as we've uh, maintained over the history of this podcast. And actually, Rob, that brings me to one of the biggest news stories over the past two weeks is the death of Labor Senator Kimberly Kitching, who died of a heart attack uh, just over a week now. And after this happened, basically straight after this happened, it came out that there were allegations that she'd been bullied by senior members of the Labor Party and then extremist headlines, you know, 
suggesting that the stress of the job uh, and you know the stress of the Labour Party or the Labour Party had killed her. And it's been a big... Uh, <laughs> Which newspaper was those headlines in, Nick? Well, you could you can guess that, can't you, Rob? Yeah. I, I have a feeling you'll be absolutely correct. <laughs> but it's yeah, this is has seemingly halted the momentum that Labor had, uh, your steaming momentum. Really, they were doing pretty good, as we've just talked about. They were benefiting off Scomo's uh, absolute fuckery. But is this going to be? Is this going to stop the Labor train, Rob? With all due respect. To her death? Probably not, because she was a relatively insignificant senator, with all due respect, again. Yeah, this is the problem, isn't it? In talking about this, you have to tiptoe around, uh, you know, wanting to be respectful that someone has died. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I don't think so. I feel like her name probably didn't bring enough headlines in without her death, you know? Yeah, well, the the thing though, Rob, is that I think the headlines are, I there's still headlines today about these allegations of bullying. So, so her friend, she apparently told her friends that um, the the mean girls, and that's her her term, not ours. I think that's kind of misogynistic. Anyway, uh, Penny Wong, Christina Keneally, and Katie Gallagher, uh, who were Labor senators, um, routinely bullied her in the Senate. That kind of thing, but you know. It's a really hard one to figure out because none of the Labor senators, there's all the Labor members are basically taking the line that they're not going to comment on this so close to the death, uh, her death. Um, and I think her funeral was, was today. Um, but also reporters have been saying things like, I don't think they liked each other basically. And maybe Kitching was leaking stuff to the government or to the media. And that's why senior Labor members were very frustrated with her um, and why they were, for instance, telling her she wasn't going to be pre-selected, which is apparently she was very stressed about in the day leading up to her death. It's just a really unfortunate one to happen for Labor, isn't it? Unfortunate for Labor, yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunate that a person has died here, I think. Yeah, with all due respect, with all due of course. Respect. Unfortunate um, for her family, also for Labor. Yeah, and... I worry that a lot of these um, allegations might be blown up, blown out of proportion maybe because of um, the nature of the media. But again, I think, I think the Labor Party will probably do an internal review of that and see if these allegations are true and worthy of investigation. And I'm sure they'll have some sort of result that comes out of it yeah and truly what i want in politics is just better environments for for all people particularly women to to work in yeah i mean it's a nasty game on both sides isn't it yeah um that political culture and i'm sure i'm sure bullying has occurred within the labor party within the last three years so that needs to be considered absolutely yeah uh, and yeah, you know, it's uh, it's on both sides of politics to do that for sure. Yeah. Um, but in terms of you know, my dad seems to think that Albo will have to do something about this. Demote one of these senior Labor figures. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they may just wait for this one to die out a little bit. Um, 
in the meantime, you know, ScoMo, they can just continue doing what they what they're doing, play small target. I think, I don't think it'll be as big a deal, um, but of course we'll see how how the media reacts in the next week or so. Uh, yeah, I agree. Have you seen ScoMo's uh, ramping up the um, security lens of the whole election? Yeah, I was going to mention that as well. He's trying to make it a khaki election, isn't it? I'll use that term again. Yeah, very. Um, everything seems to be in a security lens. Even when he's talking about the floods now, he's talking about how uh, his increase in funding to the defense will allow better responses to floods in future. And that's why you can't trust the Labor Party. Yeah. Because the Liberals are good at defense, despite... Yeah. Uh, if you look at uh, <laughs> submarines, a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, you're actually so right as well, Rob, because the thing they were trying to do to please the electorates uh, over a week ago now is in the news is they're going to put the ports for the nuclear submarines in different places to try and please the voters. Um, they're even going to put one apparently in WA, uh, and it'll bring thousands of new jobs to WA. Of course. I, oh, that's another one they've been running is um, it's like 200,000 new jobs since ScoMo was elected. That it Just just to de- debunk this one, that's the equivalent of saying 200,000 new people learnt how to put their shoes on. <laughs> yeah. Because just people... Population growth. Population growth. People get older and they find jobs. It's got yeah. nothing to do with fucking um, your government and your economic management. Yeah, well, the government is certainly in its death throes, Rob. Uh, I've, you know, it looks like Labour. You very much want to be Labour going to this election now. Who knows? Uh, and the election campaign hasn't even officially started. That's the other thing. Yeah, can a lot of water still to go under the bridge. I've said that yeah. a lot lately. Yeah, <laughs> very nice phrase you got there, Rob. <laughs> and maybe that's a good place to end it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of water still going under the bridge. And the best way to keep up with that water that is going under the bridge. Nice. Really, really stretching this metaphor. uh, Is to follow us on social media. At Unrepresentative Swill on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And at Swill Podcast on Twitter. Where we sometimes update. uh, Give (laughs) updates on our schedules. But sometimes we just like to keep people guessing. Because we're edgy and mysterious. I like it, Nick. See you next week.